Hi and welcome to the Jewelry Podcast. Hej och välkommen till Smyckespodden. This episode will be published on both the English podcast, the Jewelry Podcast, and the Swedish podcast, Smyckespodden. And the reason for this is that today I'm having two very special guests with me on phone line all the way from Copenhagen, Denmark. These are two sisters whom I got to know several years ago as they were in charge of a fair that gathered the top Scandinavian jeweler brands to showcase twice yearly on Copenhagen Fashion Week. Their main mission was to connect brands with the buyers and press, but then the pandemic hit. And these two sisters pivoted into the sales of jewelry instead. And today they run a fine jewelry online shop where they gather amazing brands from all over Scandinavia and Northern Europe. And I am so inspired by these two. But I'm not going to get too wordy about this now. I want them to tell their story. So let's welcome these two cool sisters in. So now I'm sitting here with Charlotte and Pernille from the Jewel Room, straight from Copenhagen. And I am so excited to have them here on the podcast. So welcome, Charlotte and Pernille. Thank you. Thank you. Hello from Copenhagen. So tell me, where where do you sit in Copenhagen now and how is the weather? Well, we're actually in the very center of Copenhagen and the sun is shining and it's such a beautiful day. We have like a small, it's it's not a boutique, but it is uh, our office is located in Müntergel. So yeah, super, super central with a lot of small shop and small restaurants and cafes all around. So bustling with people outside. That's amazing. I heard that that's the difference between Stockholm and Copenhagen is that people in Copenhagen love their city. Very much. And we use it. We love to just sit on the streets and uh, yeah, hang out. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have all the water that you guys have. I mean, we have some, but um, but we don't have the archipelago, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true, of course. So you both have very interesting personal career stories. And I would love to have your stories for in front of the the listeners so they can like get a feel for who you are and so on so why don't you start uh, charlotte please and tell me about what was your personal career story so um i am educated i have a master in design and communication and uh, shortly after that i uh, i was uh, i became a design no, a marketing manager and at a small jewelry company which was actually an upcoming company called Arena Copenhagen, with which gathered small designers under one uh, brand. For instance, uh, Sophie Bilebra and Lena and Joe and many of these you know today, they were part of this. And um, a few years later, I started my own a PR agency, actually. And uh, as I realized that there was no one focusing on jewelry within the PR and communication, really, So I wanted to specialize in that. And at the same time, I also found out that there was no jewelry experts in Denmark. 
and oh. uh, I uh, I kind of became the first and maybe also the only one <laughs> still. Um, and I started uh, writing for different magazines, and I was on uh, the national channel, like or TV two, it's called, uh, speaking about jewelry trends and really positioning jewelry within the fashion scene on it. Like Good Morning Denmark. And- yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a lot of trend spotting and, and communication and, and about different jewelry brands. And um, years later, Penilla and I, we kind of, uh, of course, we're sisters, which you probably know. And um, <laughs> Penilla was uh, at the same time in jewelry as well. And we decided to uh, join forces. And the rest, I think you'll hear later. And how many years was this? This was like... 10 when I started in jewelry was like 10 years ago when I started my own PR agency back then oh and and the PR agency is still left or it's it's, it's so not? it was called goldmine communication like gold mind um and uh, no it's not uh, it's not running today because PR wasn't the the route we wanted to continue I see and Penilla what was your story? How did you end up in the jewelry business? Uh, I, I started my, my journey uh, educated from business and strategy. Uh, I was at an advertising agency in Denmark. Uh, I then moved to London, Barcelona, and I actually also lived in Stockholm at some point. Oh, I didn't well, know. Uh, Sachi and Sachi. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so the I gallery. In Stockholm. That's a super cool gallery, no? No, Saatchi and Saatchi is a gallery in London, but it's also a global PR um, company. I see. Okay. So both in PR. Advertising, sorry. It's an advertising company. Okay. So it is, uh, yeah, a huge international advertising company. So I've, yeah, worked with big clients like uh, Coca-Cola and um, Kellogg and, yeah, many companies like that. And from that, I was drawn into jewelry. So I started at Ole Lyngård Copenhagen, uh, being they being a really craftsmanship company, wanted to also start communicating more strategically. Uh, so I was kind of their first, uh, their first role uh, internally uh, focusing on, on on strategic communication and, and PR at Ole Lyngård Copenhagen, which. You probably all know there's a beautiful store in Stockholm. Yeah, it's uh, many Swedish people's favorite brand. It is a very, very beautiful brand. Uh, so, of course, that was my way into to jewelry, to craftsmanship, uh, but also into how many jewelry brands are doing well and, and the, the, the amazing designers and craftsmen that is out there. And in that journey... I also realized that we as a jewelry brand tried to be more um, uh, uh, visible in the, on the fashion scene. So obviously both Ole Lyngård but also other brands want to be seen in Vogue or or that type of magazines. But uh, that, that was new uh, at that point. So when we first then joined forces, Charlotte and I, we started the jewelry room as a physical a platform, a physical event during the Copenhagen Fashion Week to really build that link between jewelry and fashion. Because we saw that 
jewelry was always like exhibited on a jewelry fair, which was a bit boring or very traditional. It was definitely not trendy or or, or luxurious, luxurious or, or yeah. first moving. So so building that gap or bridging that gap between jewelry and fashion was our intentional um, thought and thinking behind the jewelry room, which we started five, six years ago. And we even did a big event on during the London Fashion Week as well. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. why is it why is it important for jewelry to be seen as fashion, do you think? Well, it's not important to be seen as fashion. Mm. It's important to be seen in fashion. Mm. Yes, yeah, so it's just the positioning of jewelry because jewelry has moved from being like boring and traditional and only like very adult uh, classic women wearing it to it's like a, it's also part of a look today and a part of a f- uh, the fashion scene even though it's not necessarily fashion jewelry. So so it's all like the positioning is quite important and the whole bridge between uh, fashion and jewelry. That's and you see more and more jewelry also on the international catwalks. Uh, and I think just again, Ole Lungo is a great example. Or even your jewelry, Cecilia, is a great example of you don't just wear jewelry that is one uh, simple like diamond earrings. You want to stack your rings or you want to mix and match it with different styles and different metals. And so jewelry has become more and more a part of your look and a part of your personal branding. Yeah, but I would say also that you, both you as you, Charlotte and Penilla, but also you in Denmark are very good in styling jewelry and wearing a lot of jewelry at the same time in cool ways. So, yeah, so it becomes like your personal style. And that is something that I mean, I think we can take inspiration from Denmark because you really mix and match in a cool way. But do you when you say jewelry do you talk about fine jewelry or the costume jewelry? So in Swedish I can say in Swedish um, fine jewelry is äkta smycken and custom jewelry är bijuterier de oäkta smyckena. So yeah. do you do you talk about all of them now or are you thinking about one specific? No so it's it's fine jewelry or what we also refer to as demi fine. So ah, okay. it's all- Precious metals, so it it can be silver as well, but it wouldn't be bijouterie. So, no. but so, yeah. So, but but mostly what what we uh, are passionate about is actually the, this demi fine uh, segment, which can also be ten carat or fourteen carat or and and precious stones. I haven't heard that expression. What is what is demi fine? Do you have a like, uh, well, Demifine is actually something like your brand or even Ole Lungo. So it is it is the price points that are not super high where internationally, you know, you have high jewelry, which is many hundred thousands, where the, the Demifine category internationally is more defined of, of from, let's say, 1,000 to 20,000. Okay, yeah. that's great. I actually like that uh, expression. Maybe I'm going to yeah. use it too. But I, yeah. I actually think it's the same because now we can more uh, compare it to, for example, handbags or very nice shoes and stuff. And mm-hmm. I try to compare jewelry more like that uh, because I think because there, there's so many stigmas. Or one of the reasons I started this podcast was because after like having met um, 
people in the in the showroom or in our showroom uh, for the past seven years, and they are all like the, many are still afraid of buying jewelry for themselves, like demi fine really? jewelry or yeah. fine jewelry, because it's meant to be a love gift from a man to a woman. And uh, then I just felt that we need to talk about this more in like a bigger room. So then I was like, I'm going to start a podcast so we can talk about like who are actually allowed to wear fine jewelry and who are allowed to buy it. Everyone, like you don't need a man to buy jewelry. And that's like the main stigma in the industry that I still feel. Like, do you also feel that? We actually, uh, of course, we hear what you're saying, but we do see a shift And we do see uh, often actually women buying jewelry for themselves and also quite expensive jewelry because that's like kind of a statement for them that they can afford and they they kind of take, take charge themselves and, and maybe um, save up for to buying this special piece of jewelry and not just wait for their husband to give it to them. It yeah. is a way of like empowerment of, of women, right? That we can, we have our jobs and we can you know take a decision ourselves and and decide whether or not to buy so i think that's definitely as as charlotte says something that we see more and more of and we also tend to see that you would rather want to buy a piece of unique jewelry that actually lasts than than a piece of clothes that you can you know wear maybe three months and then you need to have something new so we really see that that the whole Uh, positive impact on, on, on environment is also a, a thing you know you you feel better when you buy something that lasts exactly okay so and of course there's still the the gift part of it which which will always be there especially you know engagement rings and all this because when like a, a man or a woman or whatever they gift a piece of jewelry there's so much extra storytelling in it so i don't think the men giving women will ever fade away or will ever not uh, be here but but there's uh, definitely women buying for themselves as well also because it is more a part of your uh, look and style uh, nowadays so you do wear more jewelry than 10 years ago and you do also change your jewelry more um, generally than than it was so you would change your earrings depending on what clothes you're wearing, for instance. Or, and also, I think what, what we are really, uh, like, like you also are mentioning, want to, to get out there is all these smaller independent craftsmen who, who has so much unique design, but it's difficult to find them. And when you don't buy into a big, big brand, you actually also get more value for money. Yeah. So you can a really quality and really great design jewelry that doesn't have to cost 30,000 crowns. It could be yeah, a few thousand and yeah. still be good quality. Exactly. So this makes me very happy to hear. And I agree that jewelry is, is like one of also the perfect things to buy for yourself because it will be with you your whole life. It will not yeah. uh, be worn out in a couple of seasons. So, and But it also, of course, will always be the perfect love gift also for that reason because of the lo- longevity of the pieces. So yeah. for both. So so what do you tell your friends who says that they're waiting to receive this or this jewelry for their birthday? Like, do you tell them then to simply buy it for themselves? <laughs> Absolutely. 
Okay, that's good. Uh, well, no, it's it lot. depends, of course, what it is and, and who it is. So, um, but again, what yeah. we have transitioned from, which we maybe, I don't even know if we actually mentioned, is that we, we went then from having the physical events during the fashion week where we were matchmaking brands with with buyers and press, COVID came. We have now introduced or, or launched probably our marketplace for that exact, exact same reason as you say there, Cecilia. You can go and buy it yourself. And now we've, we are trying at least to, to make a window where you can find unique jewelry from amazing small jewelry designers. So, so that is kind of our, our main purpose of the marketplace, that so you can find... Uh, Find what would you say, Charlotte? Unique jewelry that hidden that treasures that you didn't know were out there. Yeah, that's beautiful. And actually, I was so happy when I saw um, this new website of yours or this whole, this web shop because mm -hmm. it felt like a very fun jeweler web shop, very very professional, but still, uh, yeah, not not it. It felt more as if it would be like a fashion website more than a fine jewelry web shop or Demifine. Yeah. And that made me so happy because I have only seen that in the US before. So oh, really? yeah, so 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 I I I very much think that you like you gather both of your experiences within fashion and within sales and within marketing and and within jewelry and and I feel that now you have really like come to like the the perfect uh, product for you and I think that you are like the the, the right persons to to be well, this you. kind of window for like Scandinavian jewelry, I say, because you have a lot of Scandinavian jewelry brands, right? Yeah, yeah we do. Yeah, so However, we... Oh, sorry. What were you going to say? No, so I just want to tell you that I think that you are so much on the right track. And I'm very happy that because fine jewelry looks very fun and like uh, joyful when looking at your website and not so like strict and um, like... In some places, you almost get afraid if you if you would go in and buy fine jewelry. That's that's so spot on because fine jewelry is not supposed to be um, scary or, as you say, like like it's it should be used every day and it should make you smile no matter where you are and uh, and, and it can also be affordable. Yeah. yeah. So how do you how did this transition go on? So so there was the the pandemic came and you I believe you were in a dark place then. I mean with your business and you had to to pivot or what happened? Yeah. So the the thoughts about gathering uh designers in in our platform is actually rooted back when we were like a B2B showroom or the event but but yes, COVID came and um, we spoke to all the designers we were working with and they're like, thanks, but uh, what we really need now is to to sell jewelry because that's how they could survive and they had nowhere to go. And um, so we kind of like, well, if we do this and this, uh, would you like to be part of it? And uh, they were all super supportive and we started. Uh, the marketplace and gathering some of the best designers we could find out there and um, it sounds really easy like it happened in 24 hours but it was of course a long <laughs> process and uh, before that actually we had also had because we were starting doing a lot of posting on Instagram and stuff and we had so many 
followers and customers asking, where can we buy this? Where can we buy this? And we were like guiding them to all the different brands, stores and web shops. And all of a sudden we looked at each other saying, why don't we just make them gather it all in one place? Yeah. So um, that became the start. And uh, ever since it's gone really fast. And um, now we have uh, actually, yeah, as you say, we have designers from Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, but we also have from Germany and Paris and London and Prague, and, and we're really expanding um, because we see such a huge interest from international clients as well. I see. So yeah. do you see yourself now as a store, like a like a jeweler and net a porter, or do you still see yourselves as also like a communications agency sort of? Do you, do you see what I mean? Like we don't see us as a as just a store because we're we're not just another jewelry shop as we see it. So we're much more um, kind of the the window and to the world for all these designers. But the the basic thing is, of course, to sell jewelry. So. So in terms of that, yes. So it is a, a type of a, you, you could say net-a-porter for jewelry, except that we have a super close relationship with all our designers. Mm. Uh, a lot of brands would like to be on net-a-porter, for instance. It's not necessarily a great thing because you have to put a lot of uh, stock in commission and so forth, which can be extremely expensive. Um, but we have a super close relationship with all the brands and we display their identity, their footage, and we try and guide everything around that. And then the jewelry is actually sent directly from the designer to the end customer. So we facilitate and we create this window to the world for all the designers, but also a window to unique jewelry for for customers. And the customers does get a feel for, you know, they, they get something personal um because they get it directly from the small designers from wherever they are in the world yeah so so we also see us as kind of a voice for jewelry or like they're the jewelry di- designers ally you can kind of say that does it make sense so, sorry what was the last part so i we're kind of seeing ourselves as also the voice of jewelry like speaking all the designers uh, precious secrets and their stories and and all these like the expertise within the jewelry industry as well we try to communicate yeah, yeah yeah i see yeah because actually i remember when you told me many years ago about how you started the jewelry room the um, when it was like a, a design fair on the or like a jewelry fair on Copenhagen fashion week and you said that you took inspiration from the scandinavian food scene where they have gathered chefs or like the the food scene in in whole in in whole Scandinavia together as a and and like promoted it to to the world and you wanted to do the same with jewelry am i remembered correctly well you're absolutely right in the part that um that food <clears throat> has made Copenhagen a bustling city and and uh, attention to the world so So at that point, it was about being being there where, when attention was in Copenhagen. So that was during the Copenhagen Fashion Week. You know, there was a lot of international hype and vibes and guests. That was our, our reason to really put jewelry out there. So, you know, Netta Porter, Harrods, Harvey Nicks, Vogue and, and all the others were always interested 
in the jewelry that was uh, displayed. So I think that was the reason and, and probably the, the comparison. And, and you can say the same now. We are obviously 100% a sales platform, but we want to gather the best. Yes, yeah, so we really take a pride in finding these um, very talented designers out there that that no one really knows actually so maybe you are known in your home local community or something but but to the world you're not known and we love to spot these the new the new designers and how um, do you do that yeah that's a very good question actually <laughs> but you know when you are so much in an industry and you everything you take in or you search for you meet is just jewelry and that's how we find these brands and uh, and and invite them to our platform so how do you know when you spot the brand like do you know immediately if it's something for you or not and how do you see that we know it immediately <laughs> well i think it's because we know the aesthetics of the jewelry room and we know the brand and then we can see if there is a clientele for this specific brand um so it doesn't necessarily have to be panilla or my personal style but we can see the person that will be wearing it and wow. it has of course a very high quality and it's precious metals and it has something unique design yeah i see so what differences do you see among the different customers like is it a different customer in norway versus in denmark on your web shop for example Or in it's, Finland it's quite, and so on. Yeah, actually, because we've we've also, I mean, as you say, there's a lot of marketing strategy, but but for what we're doing now, there's actually a huge amount of tech. So tech is is more or less our foundation in, in a lot of what we do combined with passion. And we do see that based on all the data we have, the customers are kind of alike. It is today. A lot of women, we also have men, we're not good enough with the men's yet. We will be be better at the whole gifting part. But uh, but it is a, a modern, uh, classy woman that is educated normally and who actually don't necessarily care about the brand, but falls in love with a piece of jewelry and wants something that lasts. Mm. It is a, a, a woman who's more self-confidence and knows what she wants. Even it can still be classic or it can be wild. So they obviously buy very different things, but but generally the the average customer that we have is a woman thirty five who who has a a job and who can actually you know buy something because she tells herself that she wants to buy it and she deserves it. Yeah, so it's maybe between thirty and like yeah, but it's plus 35. plus thirty yeah, five. Yeah, exactly. It's not just only thirty five year olds. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But do do you have many? Because what what we see on the Mumbai Stockholm webshop, the the brand that that I started uh, for new listeners, uh, we see that we have very much recurring customers. Like some months, we have upwards of forty percent re returning customers. Uh, yeah, so yeah. we have an extremely high rate of that. Do you also see that? Yeah, we we see that to a much higher degree. Yeah. Um, and and even though it, it can be quite uh, expensive pieces, they just, of course, wait maybe longer, but then they kind of, uh, uh, yeah, purchase again. But they also, because we, as Penilis said, we also have lower price points. They might buy some 
you know, a, a summer necklace with a lot of colors and next time it's a, a diamond ring or something. So, uh, so yeah, we only have, you know, the past a uh, bit more than a year data, but, but we do see recurring customers actually. And I also think we are in a process of educating people of daring to buy um, jewelry online. Yeah. Because a bit where shoes were five years ago, right? Where you were like, I don't want to buy shoes online. I have to try it first. Where that is a bit where jewelry online is now. So we want to create a safe space and a trusted uh, source and a, where, where people dare buy their jewelry and you know, are secure about getting their pieces and also are able to refund it and return it if, if it doesn't fit. So I think there's a lot of education towards the consumer in general uh, that they need to dare buy uh, jewelry online as well. But I think uh, yeah, COVID has definitely pushed that in, in, a, in, in the right direction and it has opened up for all the small designers. So that's... But what do you think the... Um the road to that is, is it to have like video content? So you're now I'm just like uh, t- also also telling you my thoughts, like how, how I'm thinking the, the online world. But I'm thinking that video must be um, yeah. the future to see like how the ring or the earring looks in the ear. And can, can or what, what do you think? Definitely. It's so right. Trust video, is content, one thing. video content is uh, is really the the amazing way to show jewelry so you can see it from all angles and and yeah see it how it moves um but it's also um being very clear about the qualities and the and the, the stones and everything like really explain it and and uh, of course also the story behind the collection because maybe like for instance Ulinga Shilaralinga has so much storytelling about each item and uh, we do our best to to integrate that into the the product storytelling yeah but also fundamentally creating a trusted atmosphere or a trusted source where you dare buy yeah yeah but that i think if you you who listen you can go into uh, the jewelerroom.com and see the website i believe you have um, a very good like foundation for building trust and you have your phone number and it's it's a very it feels warm and welcoming so i really think that that's a strength of yours thanks but we try <laughs> and we are trustworthy <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, so yeah we're, I, we're I can confirm very far for our customers because we we really feel like if they if they contact us and they're buying a ring or something we're just like Oh, we really want to make this so well because we know how much effort they put into it. Yeah. And the worst thing is actually when we ship it off, and if we don't hear anything, we're like, "Do you think they liked it? <laughs> like, what? A, how, how was this proposal? We, we we almost have to call them to ask. Yeah. <laughs> love all these. Uh, we like. Yeah. We just love the jewelry and the designers, and yeah, of course, the hope the the clients do as well. Yeah. So. Are you because when I travel through the different Nordic cities, I think that there are like different jewelry trends in different cities. For example, in Copenhagen, uh, like I'm thinking like arm candy, a lot of bracelets, and also <laughs> a lot of necklaces. And in Stockholm or where I move, it's a lot of rings and so on. In Finland, it's super minimalistic. When I was in Finland, they wanted the the tiniest diamonds and the tiniest rings, simplest rings. 
Uh, but do you see these kind of different, like how different, um, like how you, uh, that you wear jewelry differently in the different countries? Yeah. yeah, definitely. So I think, of course, we don't know specifically every every uh, big city, but it's very much like much like a big city uh, urban thing that you dare to wear your jewelry more, like layering and stacking and and doing all like statement looks. Um, whereas like there's a one thing that, that we can see kind of fits all it's like these small uh, diamond huggies no matter what kind of person and what city and whatever everyone wants these what's a huggy? it's like a, a mini hoop. mini hoop ah okay uh, for, for, for a hole I mean in the, the hole in the air it's not hugging the, end, the side of the air kind of tiny But you are right, Cecilia. It is funny how how Denmark and how Copenhagen, Stockholm are, are very different. Yeah, uh, where we are probably a bit more um, wild down yeah. here in the south. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, the Bohemians of the Nordics. Or yeah, <laughs> and and Norway is very. Um, uh, I mean, if if something is good quality and and bigger stones and a lot of gold it's it's very that is uh, there has to be like a story or a trust around a, a, a craftsmanship or craftsman where I maybe uh, you know Stockholm better than us but that's probably a bit more traditional yeah I the bit the biggest difference I see between Oslo and Stockholm where it's like our main customer bases It's the Oslo. They want bling and they want sparkly and more diamonds, bigger diamonds. And Stockholm yeah. is a bit more minimalistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Copenhagen is probably more colorful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love Copenhagen. I, I both for clothing and for jewelry. I could go there and shop. Like every season, I could go once and just shop my whole wardrobe there. <laughs> I think it's super inspiring. But what jewelry are you wearing today? Okay, I have to look. Yeah, we're looking. I am wearing a ring from a brand called Mary Lou. I'm wearing a gold, a, ring. a gold ring, like an organic, like a Sculptural. really handcrafted, so to say. You kind of can see that the metal is yeah. hand, been handmade. Then I'm wearing a ring from a German brand called the Vieri. In rose gold, actually. In rose gold. I'm wearing a white gold ring from Ole Lyngå. Mm -hmm. Is it uh, the leaf? It's not the leaf one. Ah, it's okay. actually the lace ring I'm wearing today. Oh, okay. I'm also wearing a lace ring, but uh, not from Ole Lyngå. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm wearing a, a fun... Um, And a tennis bracelet. A tennis bracelet uh, together with a fun pearl one that my daughter has made. Oh, uh, there's so much jewelry. You have <laughs> I could keep on. I also have earrings on. Anyway. Yeah, I'm actually gonna. If you were, if you were, would be here in the studio, then I would yeah. be filming your your hands and ears and wherever you're wearing jewelry. So maybe I will yeah. ask you actually to after we hang up that you record, uh, like just re film your hands or where yeah. you wear jewelry, and then I can post it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the main thing I think we do is that we mix a lot of different designers. Yeah. So there's no full look. So and we also mix silver and gold. Actually, um, that's kind of uh, our signature, I think. And then 
we could also wear a, like I also have, I have many bracelets on and I also have one like a, a 30 uh, euro, no, sorry, three euro bracelet on, which I really find is cool. So it's, it's very much a mix of a high end and not very high end thing. This is like a piece I bought on the beach, but um, I think it looks cool with the other pieces. So that's what kind of it sounds cool. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and then diamonds. Diamonds is always nice. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's expensive. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. But we are definitely missing some uh, Mumbai Stockholm rings on our hands. Yeah. Yeah. That's on the wish. That's on the wish list. We have to talk about that <laughs> afterwards because I have been thinking about that too. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. love your brand, and you know we are huge fan of yours that's why we've also yeah we've well, been speaking for years right yeah 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 well, exactly but to also have mumbai stockholm on online on the yeah. jewelry room yeah we look forward to be there yeah i no, i actually think that this is the perfect because we never like my main thing when because when i started of course when you start like um a jeweler or a consumer brand you're always thinking that it has to be through stores you can sell on your own but you also need to sell through stores so when I started 2014 then I in a few years I was in a few stores but what what my main like uh, concern or like my main issue with the with the stores were that they always wanted me to send me to send them our cheapest pieces so they okay. were always asking, "Can you, do you have something for less than 1,000 sek? That's like 100 euros. And okay. I said, yeah, I have a few silver silver pieces. We don't do that anymore, but but then we did. And they wanted more and more of these cheap cheap pieces. And then, and then finally I was like, okay, but the main, like, our, the main mission or one of the main missions with Mumbai Stockholm was that we were going to make all the jewelry in Sweden. Of recycled mm -hmm. metals and so on, and and I'm not gonna do it in Asia or in Turkey or something. But then the prices, we cannot Go compete up. on prices. No. So so that was always and they. What I found was that very few people have the ability to sell luxury goods. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So, but I feel that that you that that's why I'm so happy that you started your store because if if. If there were two persons that that know how to sell luxury goods and like to speak to the consumer, like speak with the right stories and with the right like, heart or heart on the right place, then I think it's you. So so and but because people need to understand that fine jewelry costs money, and you yeah. cannot Chinese jewelry or Chinese made jewelry can never compete with in price, or they will always win in price compared to Scandinavian made jewelry. Yeah, but you know it, it's so true what you say there, Cecilia. And I think that's also. I mean, we're still you know a, a, a startup, and and we are we are pushing, and and there's so many outsiders also coming to us. Say, hey, you have to sell something that's cheaper, or do discounts, or that's how you do e-commerce. And we're like, no, this is about designers. This is about craftsmanship. And also, I do believe, as you say, there are a lot of amazing customers out there who actually do care who yeah. actually don't want the the mainstream or the cheap crap so to say that actually do want to have something that lasts and wants to look themselves in their eyes and say this is made by a, 
amazing craftsmanship in Sweden or or Paris or Poland for that when it can yeah, still yeah. be a, a craftsman. But um, I think uh, that it's spot on to to our mission, and and it is still new to to do it that way and and focus on that. But I really do think that. For, for for customers, it is being more and more. It's getting more and more important yeah. to have that impact. Yeah. Also, uh, personally, that you can say to yourself, "I bought something, and and I can really look myself in the eye when wearing it." And also, that you say, "I buy something here, and it has a positive impact on on a local environment." And I think that's a, a huge transition that is generally happening and especially the younger consumers are very aware of that yeah but i also think that that's one of the prices you have to have you have to pay a higher price for smaller brands because smaller brands cannot we don't buy diamonds in bulk we don't buy sapphires in bulk i mean we have to produce uh, i mean each 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 piece costs more to produce because we don't produce so many. So that's like a, a, a function that the price go up if you want smaller brands. But actually, Cecilia, I actually do think, and I think we have realized that a lot, that you don't tend, you don't end up paying more for a smaller brand because you get more. Ah, that's true. The so value is higher. A brand, you know, there has to be markups for salespeople for. Uh, for for the store and for the packaging and for the marketing and for the there is so much markup on the big look at whatever if it's Cartier if it's Bulgaria if it's the, all the big brands there is so much markup and so many layers that needs to earn money on the way that buying into a craftsmanship and into a smaller design there is um, it's it's not expensive it is. Uh, Obviously, it costs more, but you also get more. But that's true as well. And actually, as some pieces get more popular, for example, I know that uh, a Louis Vuitton bag that my friend bought 10 years ago, then I thought mm. I think it cost uh, 400 euros, and now it costs 1100 euros uh, because, like, yeah, and of course, and the markup goes up. But I also yeah. realized because we have had, for example, one of our uh, biggest. Uh, Um, seller or like one of our most popular models is the edit ring it's a trinity ring very classic like engagement ring with with three mm -hmm. diamonds on a row where two is smaller and then it's a bigger center stone it's very yeah. very popular and many brands have their own version of, of that trinity ring but yeah. i realized that we needed to increase the price on that so so i think it was Yeah, I don't know how much it was when we started, maybe 2,400 euros and now it's 2,700 euros because we needed to increase the price as it got more famous and famous because we don't want everyone to walk around with an edit ring. So we had yeah. to increase the price to like keep the keep the demand a bit lower. Uh, because also we don't want the pe the the women. It's uh, so far it has been only women who who have bought this ring, but we want them to still feel special. Mm -hmm. So like yeah. price is also a way of like uh, steering that sort of, yeah. and that's also a part of like uh, like trying to be like a modern luxury brand. Like you want you want the the person to feel special. Yeah, true. Yeah. That's what those Louis Vuitton and Chanel are doing, like just increasing because there's too much demand. Yeah. 
So it's uh, it's very interesting to also be part of it from the inside and see how what what you have to do. But do you think there exists such a thing as an essential jewelry wardrobe or like a capsule wardrobe for jewelry, like with a few uh, different pieces that everyone should have in their jewelry box? And um, yeah, okay, definitely. Tell me the, the diamond hoops and an eternity ring. That's like ah. must have. Diamond hoops, you call that something? Yeah, the huggies. Yeah, the huggies. huggies. Yeah. <laughs> Diamond huggies and an eternity ring. That's nice. <laughs> it, it, only these two? No, but that's just like that that's that's what you you must have. Then there's like a, a bangle or a bracelet in gold or white gold. Um a close one, like a circle or Well, it doesn't matter actually. Hmm. I like that. Hmm? And the whole, yeah, and then stacking the bracelet, right? Is, yeah, yeah, for is sure. Also, but uh, it's just, if, if you really it's a, need it's to a, prioritize, yeah. we're trying to uh, to narrow it down to just a few, which is difficult, but that was, would be like the, the very essentials. But we do see generally the tendency that you see, uh, that you mentioned the other day, Charlotte, first of all, the layering generally. I mean, you want you wear more necklaces now, yeah. one that's short and then one that's longer. Uh, you also wear many many more like simple or, or more thin rings where a few years ago it was a lot about statement rings or statement earrings mm. now it's the more simple but but many of them both rings earrings necklaces yeah. and bracelets actually right so it's not one big statement no and and as we see we see a lot of also women um not that are not really young but like our age, I guess. <laughs> you can say we're young. Yeah. Anyway, but they also No one get... will see you, so that that's just a matter. And, and even uh, if they saw you, they would say you're young. Yeah, good, good. No, so we see uh, all women getting more and more um their ears is pierced with more and more new piercings. So they can get this whole Yeah, ear I part. love that. Do you know what and I... it doesn't Yeah, sorry. No, sorry. No, you just talked. Yeah, uh, I was interrupting, but do you know what I love with the with the ear stacking stacking it's, no one. it's that you can wear it for example when you're exercising like i always take off all my other jewelry but my earrings are still there so i feel like uh, i feel like a jeweler gal even when i'm exercising for example yeah yeah, yeah so so the the jewelry the ear party part is very much smaller earrings but many of them in many different piercings mm, yeah i love that yeah and do you see, do, like, do, is there any special gemstones? Is it the diamonds that are part of the capsule wardrobe or are, are other gemstones also part of the capsule wardrobe? Well, diamonds and sapphires. Mm. Yeah. But, but it's more about the many small diamonds is what we see nowadays than having one big. And is the solitaire, like the solitaire ring, the solitaire necklace, is, is that mm-hmm. a thing in Denmark? It's not that big in Denmark, but but a ring with a diamond somewhere or diamonds is definitely. Yeah, I see. And what jeweler trends do you see for the fall winter now? What do you think will will we will see on the streets? Necklaces, chunky gold necklaces. Still, still the no. chunky gold necklace, but in in different lengths. And also the actually the the. The Mumbai Stockholm look, the, the many petite rings, um, we see that. And um, I'm just thinking what I've just been seeing. 
uh, tennis uh, necklaces and tennis bracelets is still ah, going on. But the whole tennis necklace is like such a nice trend, which will uh, be evolving as well. Maybe it won't uh, get to Scandinavia just tomorrow, but it's uh, it's out there. Do you think people are buying them vintage or are they buying new tennis necklaces? Both, but it's still new. I mean, I think the vintage jewelry will, will, I mean, it's definitely growing, but it's still a very, very small yeah, part of the, the business. It's, yeah. it's, it is still a, a bit insecure in a sense. So, but, but of course, if you go to auctions, you do see that jewelry is increasing, uh, But it is uh, it is more the um, but it is it is more the new jewelry and then it is more the again the the more cheaper versions of it. So it's not the two hundred thousand version of a tennis bracelet. It is made maybe with a sm- with smaller diamonds or with only ten or fourteen karat gold. So it becomes more affordable. Uh, so that's what we see. And another thing I forgot: colors. Colored gemstones in all variations. That's nice. Mm. Do you wear any colored gemstones? Yes. Huh? Penelope is wearing a, a purple one in her ring, and I'm wearing a blue sapphire in mine, and a kind of light blue moonstone as well. That's nice. So yeah. do you do you get a lot of questions from from your um, customers? About the gemstones or the uh, like the 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 ethicality of diamonds and like do you see this environmental like concern with your customers or or yeah what do you see? I mean we see we we get a lot of questions about stones what is what and why and how uh, I think generally. Um, the whole uh, DiCaprio movie about uh, blood diamonds, I think yeah. everyone has seen. But fact is nowadays that almost all diamonds, you know, you can track and they are with certificate and everything. So that is both when it comes to diamonds or gemstones in general. And especially and also, from designers, we carry for sure. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and also it is a lot of um, recycled gold. And then there's a lot of this uh, thing going on. So. We we don't see uh, a lot of these horror stories, so to say that that no. But but the thing is, right now, to be honest, that I think the designers are they're a bit ahead than what the many of the clients they know that you can actually uh, get. Like for instance, there's one designer who always plants a tree when she uses a sapphire. Aww. So very beautiful story but it's not that a client asks well if i buy this ring from that design does she plant a tree as well so Mm -hmm. it's not that like we're really trying to communicate all these stories and give them extra value because the designers they're educated so well that they really want to give back to us because like you probably as well like you're using like a recycled gold and stuff and many designers they really appreciate what the the earth gives them of natural stones so they try to give back and that's really the beauty within the jewelry we're working with no that's actually a very beautiful way of seeing it actually and i mean i think we are i mean we who work with gemstones and gold and so on uh i mean we appreciate i mean i see gemstones as like nature's hard flower i mean Mm -hmm. it's amazing how nature can create something that is so beautiful and the more gems you see the more you appreciate that 
And I mean, I think everyone has to have their own guide, sort of. I mean, for me, it was to because I was I had never been in the jewelry industry when I started. So for me, then, of course, it it became very. I mean, naturally, it became very important to have my production very close. And I went as an apprentice. Um, in, in the first Goldsmith studio in Sweden. I mean, for me, if I would have had my studios abroad, I would never have learned so much about the industry that I have done now, now that I have the studio so close. So, I mean, I'd, I don't want to say that you have to produce in your home country to, to, sell, to sell like ethical jewelry. But for me, that was the solution. And I mean, there's just there's different things that where decide you designers you uh, you decide to to focus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and mm-hmm. I mean, we try to um, put pressure on our suppliers because I still feel that it is difficult to track mm-hmm. each gemstone. I mean, down to the where it was mined because yeah. there have not been pressure on the and also it's. Often it's very small, like it can be one village in one country that have these beautiful gemstones, and they, yeah. and then it comes like a a person from 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 another corporation to 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 pick up all these like raw stones that are uncut because the village they don't have the possibilities or like the technical know how yeah. to like to to cut the stones into precious gems. So they just sell the raw stones to someone who is traveling through their village, and then this person sells it to a cutter, and then it's so many steps before it reaches Sweden. And it's so yeah. many like unregulated steps in that sense. Now I'm talking about the colored gemstones, for example, sapphires and tourmalines and aquamarines and so on. Uh, so it is very hard to like uh, to to track. But if we work on that now, then it will put pressure towards these like in the the steps back in the chain. So, but it's uh, that, that's also what's so fun because it's such a young industry. Yeah. Uh, so. So it's exciting to be part of that journey. Yeah, definitely. So, how do you? What do you think about the future of the jewelry industry? Where Where will the jewelry room be ten years from now? Well, hopefully, we'll be the the leading platform for designer jewelry, like this expert destination where customers from all over the world can buy jewelry from local independent craftsmen designers. That's uh-huh. our dream. <laughs> I think that dream. sounds great. Definitely less brands and more about design and craftsmanship. That sounds super nice. And have you not thought about making your own jewelry? Yes, every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but right now there is so many talented uh, yeah, people out there like yourself that are uh, yeah, super good at that. So so right now we are we have to uh yeah, it's not, it's not today or tomorrow, but someday probably we, we can't help it. Yeah, 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 I see. And do you, uh, do you want to share like some new upcoming favorite brands with the listeners? Or do you feel that you are unfaithful towards the other brands that you're not mentioning? We can share Mumbai Stockholm. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. Um, well, there are some that are quite interesting to to have a look on that are new. Yeah, um, please check. So there is a Prague-based band called, brand or designer called Lenka Kalik, mm-hmm. which is uh, very very handcrafted and um, very sculptural and yeah, 
That's really nice. We see a lot in the sculpture, actually. If you take the yeah. sculptural tendency, then there is yeah, Lenka, there is Aqua jewelry, there is Deborah Blythe. Yeah, from uh, London. From London. So and Sarah Jinmi and Beosu. But there's also the right now I'm gonna mention them all, but uh, no, there's also for well, the small huggy part and all that, which is like the must-have. There's Overture, which is like a German brand. Ah. Uh, or something called Jewels and Carrots, which is from Antwerp. So there's uh, yeah. And we have Engelbert that is from Stockholm. Yeah, that's a favorite. That's yeah. also a good Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen you have the knot ring, no? The yes. knot ring and the petite signs and the letters. They are not that big in earrings, but but they are really the necklaces and rings is is super well craftsmanship from their point of view. Oh. So, no, I think uh, it's difficult. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. Really difficult. Now I want to mention so many others as well. <laughs> okay, so I have another challenge for you then. Thank you so much. Okay. There were so many uh, good brands that at least I had to look up now because I haven't heard of them. Okay. So I appreciate it. And now a question for the listeners. So if there are someone out there now who has been encouraged now to invest in her or his first like fine or demi-fine jewelry piece, what mm-hmm. would what, what would be your suggestion for that person? Because it can be quite like daunting to go into this world of jewelry and like buy your first piece. What is your best tip for this person? Going for gold. Yeah. Mm-hmm can be depending on it, it's okay to go for 14 carat yeah uh, or 10 carat i mean depending on your budget i think that's absolutely fine uh but what do you need i mean it, it, depends. it depends on style and budget and everything but but as Penilla say necklaces and rings is yeah the precious metals the gold would because uh, we love gold so you never get sick of it and if you if you do you can always sell it and get the same price so that's like definitely a like an investment piece. That's a great tip. Yeah. And is there anything you would like to tell the list- listeners that that I have um, not mentioned today, or that you haven't had the chance to talk about, and that you really feel like this? I want to. I want to tell them. Is there anything? I Don't think be shy. Pretty- Call <laughs> us. Ask ah. us anything. It's basically not a, a jewelry question we can't answer. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's been yeah, it was it's been fun talking to you, Cecilia. Yeah, it was super. It was super fun, and we couldn't have video because then the line would have the possibility to like break. Uh, but I see you in front of me, and I have seen you in front of me now when we have been talking. And it would be lovely if you took a selfie or something that I can put up on the Instagram so people see you. Yes, yeah. sure. And don't forget to film your your jewelry and tell the story about uh, where they came from or why you love them. Like one minute or two minutes or something. That would be amazing. Cool. And I we'll look forward it. to visit you in Copenhagen soon. Yeah, would love to see you here. Yeah, and I want to see your showroom. Do you have a showroom, by the way? We do have a showroom. So as Penilla started saying, it, it looks like a store when you're from outside, but it's like a two floor and you can, we sit upstairs with our computers and our small, uh, yeah, um, desks. And then downstairs we have our showroom and meeting facilities and people are always welcome. So the customer or the, sorry, the listeners who are listening, can they visit your showroom? 
Well, they can, but to be honest, we don't have a lot of jewelry here. We're really nice and we have good coffee, but mm. you usually don't have that much jewelry because the designers, they send directly from them. So, but we can get, sometimes we actually ask to get something here if, if someone really wants to click and collect or, or uh, see the piece in, in person. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for being part of the Jeweler podcast and Smickespodden. Thanks for having us. And I really appreciate what you do for all the fine fine and demi-fine jeweler brands out there. Thank you. Mm-hmm.